All right. Well, it's good to be with each of you this morning. Glad to see each of you and uh, glad to be here myself. Uh, if you happen to be here last week on the 26th, you may recall uh, Pastor Doug, our pastor, talked about the 12 days of Christmas. Okay? 12 days of Christmas. Not everyone is aware that 12 days of Christmas actually start on December 25th. Okay? So you celebrate the 12 days of Christmas starting on the 25th to like the 5th of January. So for all of you that wish Christmas could last longer, you can latch onto that and you can feel no shame about keeping decorations up in your house at least till the 6th. But after the 6th, shame, shame everywhere. Um, so uh, in, in our culture, lots of times we build up to the 25th and then it's over. Um, but uh, one of the one of my favorite traditions that I've been a part of, I don't know if you've ever taken a part of this before, it's called the burning of the greens. Has anyone ever taken place in the burning of the greens? Okay, so where I'm from, Tulsa, Oklahoma, uh, small big town or big small town. Um, so starting on the 25th uh, up till the 6th, the 6th is a day we call Epiphany, which means like the appearing of Christ. Um, uh, you would take all your used Christmas trees and wreaths that were getting kind of old and crusty and like really ready to burn. And you would take them to this huge field that had this gigantic pole in the middle. And so all the people in the community, this piling, piling, piling up this pyre, basically. And on the evening of the 6th, everybody gathers in this big field and you light them on fire. So it's incredibly simple. All right. So, so, so you light all these Christmas trees on fire, and usually January, it's really cold and it's really dark. And it's crazy how the fire could be like, I don't know, like by the chapel almost, and, and you can still kind of feel the heat because it's so hot. And it's really dangerous, so like the fire department is there and everything like that. But the point is that um, there is uh, warmth and light that comes into the dark and the cold. There's warmth and there's light that comes into the dark and the cold. And it's another way for you to remember what Jesus Christ has done for us by coming to this earth and being born um, as one of us. He brought warmth and light into a cold and dark world. Um, And it's fun sometimes to experience something physically instead of somebody just telling you something. If you can experience something like that physically, it kind of gets in your skin a little more and you tend to remember those truths a little more as opposed to if someone just told it to you like from a podium like this. So another thing that we celebrate in related to these, these 12 days of Christmas is the coming of the wise men, okay? The, the wise men coming to visit Jesus. And so that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're going to be looking in Matthew chapter 2, and we're going to be reading verses 1 through 12. So Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12, the, the light and the warmth of light not only came to Jewish people, but it also came to people outside the Jewish faith. And it, among the many things that the wise men represent is they represent, you say, people from the East. They represent people outside of the household of faith that were grafted into the family of God. So we, sometimes we call those people Gentiles. And I'm glad that the Gentiles have been invited to be grafted into the family of God because that's who I am, and it's probably who most of you are as well. So we praise God for that. So this morning, I'm going to read this passage, verses 1 through 12, and then I want us to look at four things that the wise men teach us about how to follow Jesus. So as I read this passage, you can be looking for little clues of how you see them following Jesus that gives us an example for how we follow Jesus today. So if you would stand with me for the reading of the word, 
you can follow along on the screen, or if you have a copy of the scriptures, you can follow along there in your pew. So starting uh, in verse 1, Matthew chapter 2, it says, After Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of King Herod, wise men from the east arrived in Jerusalem, and they said, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star at its rising, and we've come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was deeply disturbed, and all Jerusalem with him. So he assembled all the chief priests and scribes of the people and asked them where the Messiah would be born. In Bethlehem of Judea, they told him, because this is what was written by the prophet. He's quoting from Micah 5.2. Micah 5.2. And you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, because out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly summoned the wise men and asked them the exact time the star appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. When you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. After hearing the king, uh, they went on their way, and there it was, the star they had seen at its rising. It led them until it came and stopped above the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overwhelmed with joy. Entering the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and falling to their knees, they worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their own country by another route. Just a quick prayer. Lord, we thank you for your word. We would be lost without it. We thank you for the examples that we see uh, of people that have followed you well, and even of people that haven't followed you well. We learn from all of it. We are here to listen. We want you to speak to us. We pray that you would speak to us now. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You guys can go ahead and have a seat. So what kind of example have the wise men set for us? What kind of example have the wise men set for us? First thing I'd like to point out this morning is that the wise men acted on what they believed. Wise men acted on what they believed. Now, as I've studied, <coughs> as I've studied about the wise men over the course of the last couple of weeks, it's, it's crazy um, how kind of mysterious they are. Like we know a little, but then there's a whole lot that we don't know. One of the temptations when you read the Bible is to fill in some of those gaps. You've got to be really careful not to fill in too many of those gaps with things that you might want them to be. Or like, like um, I don't know how the wise men connected this particular star with a king being born to Jewish people. Um, we think they're from Persia, Babylon, maybe. We think the journey might have taken, could have been a couple of years, could have been a couple of months. Um, were they scientists? Were they astrologers? Were they astronomers? Um, did they really read the Old Testament? If they were from Babylon, um, Daniel was in Babylon like 600 years earlier in the exile. So were there Jews left over in that area where they were that taught them the Old Testament scriptures? Maybe, maybe that's how they knew about the prophecies. Don't know. Um, did they have some kind of special revelation from God? Don't know. Um, I'd like to know all that stuff. But um, one thing I do know, I may not be able to know things to the specificity that, I'd li- that I would like to, but I can know them to the degree that the Bible has revealed them to us. The Bible may not tell us everything we want to know, but it tells us everything we need to know. One thing we know is that the wise men came to a conclusion. The wise men came to a conclusion, 
and they were convinced. They were convinced that a king had been born that was worthy of their worship. They were convinced. And they were so convinced that they did three things. They made a plan, they acted on the plan, and they saw that plan through to the finish. So one of my questions today is, when's the last time you did that? When's the last time you were so convicted of something, of anything, something you should start doing, something you should stop doing? Um, When's the last time you were so convinced that you made a plan, you enacted the plan, and you actually saw the plan through to the end? In verse 2, when they talk to Herod, you see their plan. Their intention was to come here to worship Christ. They traveled hundreds of miles to do it. Incredible commitment and incredible faith. And then in, um, in verse 11, they accomplished what they set out to do. They fell to their knees and they worshiped him. And that's really instructive for me and hopefully for you today. Do you act on what you believe? When you're convinced that there's something God wants you to do or something God wants you to stop doing, do you act? When you're convinced that there's something God wants you to do or stop doing, do you act or do you come up with a reason not to act? Because you can tell me all day long what you believe and I can tell you all day long what I believe. But if you really want to know what I believe and you believe, look at what we do. We look at what we do. The wise men were willing to rearrange their life, their schedule, their finances, their calendar, and even be thought of maybe negative socially by a lot of their friends. I'm sure there was a lot of people that said, why are you making this trip to the West? What, what, why, why are you doing that? So you got you to gotta have a willingness to sacrifice all those things in order to be obedient to Jesus. To follow him. So as we move into 2022, are you acting on that which you believe to be true? And do you need a little bit of encouragement to say, let's not let another day go by without acting on that thing that you know you need to act on, that thing that maybe you've been putting off for a while. The wise men acted on what they believe, believed. The second thing is this, that they humbled themselves before Jesus. The wise men humbled themselves before Jesus. And there's two ways that I see that the wise men humbled themselves before Jesus. One is that they humbled themselves before him physically. They took a physical posture which put them on their knees. So again, if you look at verse 11, it says, and falling to their knees, they worshiped him. And one thing I would say to you this morning, you might have experimented with this in your life. It's very helpful to incorporate a physical posture in your worship with God, worship of God. Some of us are more comfortable with that in front of people. Some of us may be more comfortable doing that in the privacy of our homes. But when you pray to God, have you ever prayed to God on your knees? Have you ever, when when you're on your knees, have you ever literally physically bowed down to him? And if you want extra bonus points, have you ever laid prostrate before the Lord? Not prostate, prostrate Look it up. Prostrate. It's a biblical thing. Prostrate. Basically, it means after you bow, you would lay completely flat on the ground with your face down, arms out, legs out, flat on the ground. Have you ever laid prostrate before the Lord and prayed to him? Have you ever raised your palms? Have you ever raised your hands? Most of us have bowed our head. When you incorporate your body into what you believe, 
it reinforces what you believe. Um, it helps like grind it into the fabric of your life. Being intentional about your physical posture with God is important. And if you've never done that before, I would say I'm excited for you because if you feel distant from the Lord and you've been wondering, what's something I could do to feel closer to him? I guarantee you this is it. A lot of people will say the reason they raise their hands up like this is because it makes them feel like a little kid who's reaching up and asking one of their parents to pick them up. And that's a posture you want to have. I want my posture to represent the fact that he must increase and I must decrease. I want my posture to represent the fact that he's here and I'm here, that his business is first and my business is second. And anything that I can do to reinforce that is something that I welcome. So one quick side note about what worship is, if you'd like to write this down or um, maybe take a picture of the screen, worship is glorifying God for who he is and what he's done with our words and our actions. So I see four things in there. We, we glorify him for who he is and what he's done. And we do that with our words and our actions. So with our words, sometimes we pray, sometimes we sing. We praise him for his characteristics, his attributes, his wisdom, his eternality. We praise him for what he's done. We praise him for what he's done in other people's lives. We praise him for what he's done in our life. We praise him maybe even for what he's going to do in the future. And we praise him with our actions. We talk about living a lifestyle of worship. So what you see with the wise men is that they were worshiping God with their actions when they made this really long trip west. They worshiped who they believed Jesus was in great faith, who he was, and in hopes of what he would do. So that is worship. Worship is glorifying God for who he is and what he's done with our words and our actions. And second, I would say this, the other way that the wise men humbled themselves before Jesus, they did not let their powerful attributes, so these wise men had powerful attributes. They were wise, they were wealthy, they had power. They didn't let those powerful attributes keep them from submitting their lives to Jesus. They did not consider the great things about themselves as worthy of being considered in the light of who Jesus was. And the main passage that this brought to mind for me is <coughs> Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24. Jeremiah 9, 23 through 24 says this. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The wise men could have done that. The strong man should not boast in his strength, and the wealthy man should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me that I am the Lord showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. The wise men believed that whatever was noteworthy about them belonged in second place compared to this king. So you may not have this or that or this or that in your life, um, but do you have this most important thing? You may not be wise, strong, or wealthy. (laughs) But do you understand and know the Lord? That's what you're supposed to boast about. There in verse 24 of Jeremiah 9. Do you understand and know the Lord? Whether you're a Christian this morning, whether you're not a Christian this morning. Do you understand and know the Lord? And you don't just know him as God. Do you know him in this way? That he shows faithful love. That he never leaves and forsakes. Do you know him to be a God who's just? 
and righteous. The wise men humbled themselves before Jesus, not only physically, but psychologically as well. And that's an example for us to do the same. The third thing is this. The wise men offered Jesus valuable gifts because they saw him as a king. The wise men offered him valuable gifts because they saw him as a king. (laughs) One of the most memorable features of the wise men is that they brought gifts, right? The gold, the frankincense, and the myrrh. You know, perhaps these gifts were symbolic. Perhaps these gifts were used to finance their trip to Egypt when they had to flee in the next couple of verses. Um, It's hard to say. Um, But one thing that we can say is this, that the wise men offered Jesus their best. The wise men offered Jesus their best because they believed he was worthy of their best. I mean, we just sang that song, you're worthy, you're worthy. We, We sing a lot of songs like that. And, um, you know, do you mean it? Do you hear what you're saying when you sing what you're singing? Sometimes it takes a while for that to sink in. Um, but they believed he was worthy of their most valuable things. They actually believed he was a king, and they responded to him accordingly. So we you've got to be a little careful with this one. But we, too, need to offer valuable gifts to Jesus because we believe he is a king that's worthy of it. We don't offer him the valuable things in our life to earn his approval, to earn his favor. If you're in Christ, he gives that freely. Um, You don't obey him in order to be accepted. You obey him out of gratitude because you are accepted. And that's that's extremely important in living of the Christian life. If you don't get that, then you'll always be trying to earn his approval. And you have to understand that God can't love you any more or any less than he does right now. You have all of him in this moment. So anything that we have to give to him, and we should give to him our best, um, it's just an act of gratitude. So the way I might ask some questions to you this morning would be this. Does God have access to every area of your life? Does God have access to every area of your life, the things that are most valuable to to you? Is he Lord over all of you and all you have? And I might say it this way, can he do whatever he wants with your finances? Can he do whatever he wants with your body, with your work, with your relationships, and with your house and with your possessions? Do you think of Jesus as a king? Do you think of Jesus as a king? I think it's tough uh, for Americans to think of a king because our country is specifically founded on the fact that we didn't want a king. We wanted to throw a king off of our backs, okay? So we're a little bit, uh, it's kind of it's tough even off the bat thinking, yeah, I want to submit my life to a king because we live in this culture. That was literally what it was founded on, was not the king. Um, but in verse 2, it says the wise men were looking for the one who had been born king of the Jews. And their intention was to find this king, worship this king, follow this king. And do you think of Jesus as a king? Not only do you think of him as a king, but do you think of him as your king? We don't talk about his kingship very much. When you pray to the Lord, do you ever say, King Jesus? Have you ever started off a prayer, King Jesus? I think that it's biblical. It's a good idea. I would say do it. Uh, Again, if you've never done it before, that's exciting because you can call him that, and and it's the right thing to do. But what I'd like to do this morning is talk about some attributes of what a king 
is. Just to give us a moment to sit in it, maybe meditate on it. And again, you can take a picture of a screen if you want. So I was thinking about a few things that a king does in general, and then a few things that King Jesus does specifically. A king protects. We know that kings are wealthy, and we know that kings are powerful. And some kings use that wealth and power to bless, and some kings use that wealth and power to just feel more powerful. Jesus said, I'm among you as one that serves. King protects. That's what a good king does. He overcomes his enemies. A king defends the weak. A king provides for his people. A king rules. A king has the final say. He reigns. He judges. He upholds the law. He establishes peace. As it pertains specifically to Jesus, he rules over all the nations, which is why we called him the king of kings. He rules over all creation. He rules over all other spiritual powers. This is our king. He's just. We have a coming, he will have a coming judgment over all people. He saves his people. He blesses his people. And this may be the most important thing. He rules over my heart. Does he rule over your heart? That's the real question. Do you want that kind of a king over you? Do you want to submit your life to this king? A couple things I would uh, give you just closing this thought is if you would like to meditate on Jesus as King, you might be able to come up with some better Psalms than these, but I'll give you guys three different Psalms that you can read about the kingship of God. Psalm 47, 97, 99. You guys might be able to find some better ones yourself, but if you want to meditate on Jesus as King, it's powerful, especially if you've never really dwelt there before in your heart, but that's part of who he is. The fourth point is this. As we look at the example that the wise men have have given us in terms of how to follow Jesus. And this is the first thing that, uh, that stuck out to me when I read this passage is that they chose to fear God rather than people. The wise men chose to fear God rather than people. They were specifically told by King Herod in verse 8, go and search carefully for the child and when you find him, report back to me so that I too can go and worship him. And then in verse 12, the the wise men were warned in a dream, don't go back to Herod, go to your own country by another route. And so they chose to obey one situation over another. And in verse 16, there was consequences for that. Their disobedience to King Herod sent him into a rage in verse 16. So much of a rage that he ordered who knows how many hundreds of children under the age of two to be murdered, literally. So they chose to fear God rather than people. And in our lives, just like in the lives of the wise men, there are moments where we have to choose who we're going to disappoint. And you have those moments. I have those moments. You've had those moments. You're going to have those moments where you got to choose who you're going to disappoint. You're going to disappoint God or you're going to disappoint somebody else. 
<clears throat> when, when there's two different contradicting things and you know this is what God wants me to do and this is what other people want me to do, you have to live your life <clears throat> sometimes with people being disappointed with you in order to follow Jesus. So the wise men uh, chose to obey God rather than people. And, and again, I might ask you a question as we move into a new year. Are you in one of those moments in your life, one of those seasons in your life where you know um, there's something you need to do? Like uh, in Acts chapter 5, Peter said, we must obey God rather than men. Are you in a situation like that? Are you like, this is going to be tough, but I know I need to obey God rather than men. You see that theme that runs throughout the scripture and, and it carries through for people that follow Christ even today. So those are the four things that I wanted to present. Um, our worship team can come on up. But as a recap, uh, I wanted you to see all of them together. The wise men acted on what they believed. They humbled themselves before Jesus, both physically and psychologically. They offered Jesus valuable gifts. There was nothing that they had that he wasn't worthy of. And they chose to fear God rather than people. God called the wise men to worship him from far away. They were far away culturally. They were far away geographically. And they had faith um, to follow him. And one thing I would say today is that he still calls people to worship him that are far away from him. So if you find yourself uh, far away from him, either as a believer, you know, return. If you find yourself far away from him as someone who hasn't believed in Christ, come to him. Uh, he welcomes you. Uh, Doug talked about the shepherds last week in, in Luke 2. And the shepherds were reminded that the coming of Jesus is good news of great joy that shall be to all people. It's good news of great joy that shall be to all people. Not just a few people, all people. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, you are our king, and we praise you that you protect us. We praise you that you have power. We praise you that you choose to use your power to serve. And um, just help us also with any any valuable thing that you've given us to serve the people in our lives, to be like you in that way. We thank you that you protect us. We, we praise you. We say that all your ways are good and true and the decisions you make are all right and just. Help us to continue to get in line with you um, as individuals, but also corporately. Help us to encourage each other as we, as we walk into another year. We want to walk into it together. For the glory of your name and your kingdom, in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.